where we discuss horror movies featuring children because parenting can be scary and kiddos are definitely creepy (laughs) hello josh hi it creeped me out even just thinking about kids (laughs) yeah well that's the thing and congrats to our we have several friends and we assume listeners of this program who've recently welcome new little ones into their lives which is very exciting i guess we won't name them as we don't even name our own but just know that we're thinking about you and congratulations on these uh spooky babies yeah yeah october babies lots of october babies happening or just announced that are they're on the way that's right lots of new year's eve babies if you know what i mean Mm, i don't get it but sure well it's fair (laughs) uh yeah here we are we're back second episode of spooktoberfest (laughs) 2019 yeah we tried to do a really scary movie for this next one and i think we were pleasantly surprised i think successful pleasantly spooked yes scared out of our pants and socks (laughs) this this episode is amityville horror from 1979 that's right i was watching the uh jason was who did it? Ryan? The Ryan Reynolds. The Ryan Reynolds version, which I actually remember liking. We'll get to that. Oh, later. I didn't see it. Before we dive in, any news or updates that you'd like to share with our listeners? Did you? <laughs> no, but you can ask me the same question if you want. Oh, uh, well, let's see what happened. I just got back from a a travel job. It was nice to be uh, away and be working on something fun. But it was hard to be away from the kids. And I think that, uh, yeah, it was definitely the longest I've been away. It was hard to be away from you, too, I guess. But it was uh... <laughs> hard to be with them, hard to be away from them. Yeah. I mean, it went very well. But I think that Wu had a little bit of a fallout emotionally yeah. from me being away, which I don't know. I mean, that's what you were saying. But. It's hard for me to believe because they're such little daddy's boys. Well, I disagree, but I think there's a lot that they're they're just processing so much. They are. You always talk about this, about how there's just a steam valve that's going to happen emotionally. Yeah. It comes in the beginning, the middle, or the end, but no matter what, it's coming at some point. Yeah. And so Wu, in this case, was screaming, pretty much, just like wailing at night at bedtime, being put down. Yeah. Um, they share a bedroom, if we haven't mentioned that on the show before. Yeah, the funny thing about it is that Wu is in a converted crib, so it has an opening to get out. And Boo is in a crib still, because he's still quite young. He's not even two yet, and he's hasn't climbed out of it or anything. But yeah, Wu will just sit in his bed and scream and not get out of his bed, which he can do. He just hasn't... Yep put that together yet or he doesn't want to maybe he's scared and he doesn't want to get out of his bed but he just doesn't he doesn't like run out of his room and i know a lot of our friends who have similar age kids are dealing with that right now of kids just like coming out of the bedroom 
but yeah. Wu has not figured that out yet. Maybe we should ask him if he's afraid of something reaching out and grabbing him by the ankles when he steps out of <laughs> oh, his Oh, yeah. We could suggest... Introduce that thought. Yeah, let's suggest a bunch of things that we think could be scaring him. That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, we'll table that for later. Yeah, any suggestions anyone has, please... Yeah, hit us up. Yeah, mummyxdaddy at gmail.com. Thank you in advance. That's right. You can also leave us a voicemail with your suggestions. Maybe you even leave a spooky enough recording. Maybe you're a boogie monster of some kind. You could always call us. 818-839-1991 is the number you could call us at. So yeah, he was, we was screaming a lot. That was really the big thing. He wanted us to come in there. Like a sleep regression is what it felt like. For any of you who have experienced that, it was just that sort of battle of wills that was going on. And the night before, he had he had managed to get through it. He only did it one time. And I ran in there and very immediately was just like, I think you're excited about mommy coming home tomorrow, but I need you to go to sleep in your bed. He asked about sleeping in our bed, which we don't let him do. And then after I explained it to him and hung out in there for a minute, he was fine. But last night was last night was oof. Yeah, it was hard because we struggle with the cry it out method. We don't really subscribe to it. We didn't when they were kids. But during regressions, we try to do like a check-in thing where we say, I'm I'm not going to come back in the room. You leave. And if they're still crying and screaming, you kind of stand by the door and try to get them to, you calm know, themselves down. calm themselves down and, and do it on their own. But now that Wu is a little older, it felt very, it was hard because in the cry it out approach, I guess you're just, you're just letting them cry and cry until they stop. And we because we talked to Wu so openly all the time, it, and we had explained like, "You're safe in your bed. I'm not going to come back in. Good night." We, you know, it, it was longer than that, but just it still feels weird to then not come in when he's screaming for like 20 minutes, and then of course Boo is there. He was somehow asleep. <laughs> <laughs> he's a talented little child, but we were concerned about him sleeping then part of me is like well they're gonna have to figure it out together they share a room like eventually the other one will say cut it out or something or we'll join in the screaming that to me is the bigger sign it's just if one if if he made boo so upset that then boo decided to join in on that screaming Mm -hmm. then that would be enough to say okay we have to try a different approach here but he fell asleep shout out daycare i feel like i don't know how else you'd sleep through I mean, just really screaming at the top of your lungs. Yeah, yeah. Childcare is really helpful with all sleep things, I think. But yeah, so eventually we did go back in and we both came in and we picked Wu up and we just talked about it. And I think at that point he was so tired. Yeah, he was wiped. I also think it was important to go in there because he would switch voices during his screaming, meaning who is who he was addressing. <laughs> he, was like, uh, he would. Did say, we mention that he's possessed? Um, was that ever come out? That should have come up at the top. Oh. I don't know what we were thinking. Really buried the lead there, but he would switch between crying for mommy, crying for daddy, and because Carol was the one going in there, I let let her keep going in because we don't want to undermine what 
she was doing already or make me seem like the soft target or something else. So then when we finally went in there with the both of us, it was to address that too, that we are on the same page with this as well. So we mm-hmm. both kind of said the exact same thing to him, put him back down in bed and he did finally go to sleep. Yeah. We'll see I'm, if it happens again tonight. I think yeah. that's really the only possible uh, explanation or whatever, the only possible proof that mm-hmm. this actually worked. Yeah. I'm glad we did what we did. It's just hard. Sleep struggles are hard. Everybody has different issues and each kid is so different. The approach can change nightly. I mean, even last night we had committed to not going in there and then we just couldn't take it anymore. And it's just hard. That's like a really, it's probably if we were family feuding this, like number one struggle, top five struggles of parenting, Mm -hmm. sleep has got to be sleep, mealtimes, getting dressed, right? Mm -hmm. Those would be your top three tantrums, I guess. Is that not, that's the result, not the the point at which they happen. Right. Maybe bath time. Sleep, sleep meal time, getting dressed. Yeah. Transitions. Yeah. <laughs> getting dropped off at school. Something right. like that. Right. I want you to play the some sort of family feud um, sound clip there, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so we didn't record the podcast last night because of all the screaming so we're doing it during the daytime, and it's kind of nice to not be exhausted while we're recording this. I'll say that. It rules. Yeah. It's a good way to spend your lunch break. Yep. Josh, any updates, news? What's going on with you? Well, sure. While you were gone, besides solo parenting like a boss. No, uh, actually, it went okay. That's a slow clap for anyone who couldn't hear that. <laughs> so that's because you were bored by doing it, not because you're just you're trying to drum up the interest from the rest of the crowd. And get them to their feet. I understand. Um, <laughs> it was fine. They were chill. We did okay. It's it's always kind of triage when you're a solo parent. I really can't imagine. I know we've shouted out single parents before on this show, but I really truly cannot imagine if you're a single parent or a sole caregiver parent. Even if you do have a partner who maybe works at different hours than you or something else that requires yeah. you to kind of be the primary caregiver in terms of like awake time stuff with the kids meal Mm -hmm. prep which is what it is you're basically a line cook Mm -hmm. and a chauffeur for like a week that's that's bus boy yeah you're a bus person bus person dishwasherman taxi cab Mm -hmm. janitor all for nothing except a lack of sleep (laughs) lawn laundress launderer we're paying the debt that was hopefully that you've hopefully incurred i mean someone did this for you at one point let's not forget (laughs) grandpa jersey take offense fired (laughs) gram gram please comment leave us a voicemail (laughs) did you take care of me as a child i don't remember Uh, well, otherwise, I did get a tattoo, which was very exciting. Oh, my out, gosh. Which you, of course, knew about. I think you actually the one who finally set up the appointment. Uh, well, the, the whole thing was we were going to do it together. Correct. But then I had this travel job. So my appointment is in November. It was very exciting. Our, these are family child-oriented tattoos, which we got really in honor of Woo and Boo, something that took so long because Boo is something of a surprise mm. when he came along. We were expecting to get just a tattoo for Woo, a Woo too. And now I got a Woo and Boo too. You got a Woo Boo too. <laughs> and 
because and so it's something that took so long it actually changed the design of it i'm really happy with it actually after this podcast I'm, i finally get to take the medical bandage off of it and clean it up and stuff i'm very excited i'm um, excited too the other thing i did want to give last episode we did a we recommended composting for our listeners and i have a composting update would you like to hear it i do so while you were gone i was taking out some compost as i've mentioned we compost a lot i took off the lid and there was a human hand inside the compost bin oh uh, you're so close <gasps> there was a raccoon foot that was a whole live possum no 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 <laughs> staring up at me i <laughs> i'm sweating thinking about it and i i made a reminder in my phone just to capture this authentic reaction from carol i'm like i want to throw up <laughs> oh my god I gently put the lid back on and walked away, like freaked out. I was like, it's okay, just do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. It's fine. Let this nocturnal creature go back to bed. Oh. Um, No. I did see something recently. Don't compost anymore, people. (laughs) This is the risk you run. I don't suggest it. Just forget about it. Well, we do have a new compost bin coming our way soon uh, as my city bin has is kind of on its last legs out there but oh it's four stubby possum legs and one tail so here's what happened though so i put the lid did back. you scream i would have screamed. no i really just started sweating a little bit <laughs> and then i gingerly put the lid back on and walked backwards and just backwards. i took the you you fall over the the radio flyer wagon we have back there. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> into it. The possum leaps upon me. Yeah. <laughs> You're solo parenting. You don't have your phone. There's they're in the house alone. That's I'm right. Miles away. Oh my god. That all sounds about right. What a tale. Um, what, what a, a prancile tale. <laughs> <laughs> so, I decided. You know, in that moment, I went back inside and just said, I'm going to wait till tomorrow. But then as I put the compost bin back on the counter, I decided I really should go take a photo of this for the show. So I went back out there with my phone at the ready. I was like, maybe this is a stupid idea. Maybe I shouldn't do this. And as I go to walk up to the bin, I see the possum walks out and goes down the little like alleyway between our house in the building next door Ugh. and goes under our house. Cool. <laughs> so it's living there now. Cool. We just like to refill his treat bag every once in a while. <laughs> God. <laughs> Penis. Wow. What a spooky story. Thanks for saving that. Uh, you're welcome. Wow. All right. Now the Amityville what? Horror, 1979. <laughs> James Brolin, Margot Kidder, and she's not kidding, Mm-mm. but she gets that a lot, or used to, R.I.P. Mm. We'd both seen it before, correct? That's correct, yes. yes. But I still found it to be quite spooky. It is. It's very, it's really well done. I think a tough spot for the time in a way. I mean, it's a sweet spot for horror movies. There's obviously some incredible classics from the late 70s and really like the start of modern horror movies but i could see that movie just as easily being dreadful i think what works so well about it is it doesn't rely much on visual interpretations of the supernatural it doesn't rely very much on special effects 
No. It's really a lot of just tension and building up to spooky stuff. Like there there are the flies and the blood and stuff, but it's not you it's almost it's more about what you don't see and everybody knows that's better. That's um, the truth. Let's recap this movie for those of you who have not seen it. Um, although I do recommend for your Halloween spooky nights, this could be a good one for you. It's good. It's a it's a nice, I feel like popcorn mm-hmm. horror flick. Yeah. Did you feel scared going I to did. bed? You did. Yeah. I was a little spooked. We live in an older house. Yeah. Um this the house where the Amityville horror takes place is definitely a cheap old house's house, if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. If you follow that Instagram account. Oh, yeah. Excellent follow. But that's all about old houses that are under $100,000, which this literally fits the criteria of as it was the asking price was $80,000. Yes, even then. Oh, honey, $80,000? Might as well be $800,000. Well, let's recap it. Okay. There are actually two summaries on IMDb. I'm going to read both. The recap's so nice. You read it twice. Let's hear them. Okay. Number one from Anonymous. (laughs) (laughs) Let your identity be revealed. (laughs) All right. Newlyweds move into a large house where a mass murder was committed and experience strange manifestations which drive them away. I mean, doesn't get more... Accurate. Accurate than that. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what happened, for sure. Um, the next one is a little bit longer. and gives us a little bit more info. Okay, from Blythe379 at cs.com. Wow, shouting at her email address. That's Feel what free. it's from. Feel free to email Blythe with any responses. <laughs> email Blythe Blythe with the hot takes on this recap. Based on a true story that was claimed by writer Jay Anson, the Amityville Horror is about a large house on the coast of Long Island where newlyweds George and Kathy Lutz and their three children move into the house that they hope will be their dream house, which ends up in terror. Oh, what a sentence. All right. Despite full disclosure by the real estate agent of the house's history, George and Kathy buy the house. George says, houses don't have memories, but they turn to their family priest, Father Delaney, who believes that the house is haunted and performs an exorcism on the house. But satanic forces in the house causes him to become blind and make him very sick. With the help of another priest, Father Bolin, and a police detective, George and Kathy face the fears of the house, but not knowing the forces are planning to possess George and the children. So Blythe has a, an issue with run-on sentences, but besides Noted that... grammarian Blythe decided to take this opportunity to write a one-sentence review. <laughs> <laughs> she, Yeah, I mean, that's why the first one just really could have helped her out a little bit. It's funny that she talks so much about the priests in this summary, because I feel like that is the weirdest part about this movie. And it almost seems like a a different movie is happening with the priest Mm. and the investigator. And especially the actor who plays Father Delaney is so over the top. Like he it's almost like I, I, I would love to know where they found this guy and like if he had some 
personal connection with it or some is he like or is he a stage actor that they thought he'd be perfect for this because he really takes things to a weird level in every scene and if you grew up in the suburbs which is really where this is this is not quite rural right. long island or whatever it is you, these are this is a suburban town where if you grew up with in a church in one of these places mm-hmm. no more regular joes than the people than the priests in charge at various yeah catholic churches and whatever else in your area they were not like Shakespearean stage actors. Right. It was. Oh, but, oh, yeah, there's a lot oh, of. But, oh, should I ever go back to that house which born me these flies? You should really. Pestilence. Pl- <laughs> you should play the clip of him freaking out in the office. Yes. Oh. I see. <laughs> We're just going to walk away from it. Well, has that become the fashion now to cover up? Nothing to walk away from. Well, I think it's nonsense. There's nothing to cover up. Well, I think it's bureaucratical bullshit. What do you think I am? I am not some pink cheat seminarian who doesn't know the difference between the supernatural and a bad clam. I am a trained psychotherapist. I went into that house. And what I saw there was real. What I felt there was real. And what I heard there was real. Now, gentlemen, I have a family in my parish that's at great risk. And they are facing real danger. So that is what happens in the movie. And we won't really need to talk about the priest investigator part so much because it doesn't affect what we're talking about here today. I mean, there's something right off the top, something that we said last episode. I know. Oh, how rarely does it happen, yet it happens again. Yes. Guns. Yes. It's so funny. We we brought up guns in the last episode with Children of the Corn because we thought, well, guns aren't really a thing in horror movies. And right at the top of this movie, they show, they show it and then they do flashbacks while they're looking at the house of the, the murders that happened in the house. And it's honestly my worst nightmare um so it it turns out to be that the son in this family kills his kills his whole family is the mother father two sisters and two brothers um this is the second worst nightmare behind finding a possum in a right third (laughs) behind walking barefoot on a motel floor (laughs) but ever since i read in cold blood i swear it is the scariest that's one of the scariest books i've ever read Hmm. um but just getting yeah getting shot in your sleep i sometimes have to just talk myself down from thinking about that at night but unfortunately like if that were to happen you you really can't do anything about that besides protect yourself uh by locking doors and securely stowing those guns although we do not have guns in our house so um the point is it's a scary thing and it is it's it was a scary opening to the movie because that's real stuff you know that well you you learn that the the guy who you learn that the son was probably possessed because the house is on an ancient burial ground yada yada but you know in the beginning you just think this is a horrible 
crime and it was just very sad. Yeah, I it was um yeah, it was a, it's and I think it was used to great effect in the flashback sequence. I like that play of the a realtor showing them the house and as they enter each room, mm-hmm. it's like following the killer's footsteps yeah. rather than uh anything else it was it was really effective and mm-hmm. as scary. was the children's choir that opened the movie lalo Schifrin, my baby boy <laughs> nailed it oh, josh loves a good child's choir yes i do child's yeah. children um the one child's choir it's probably somebody doing that on soundcloud now some kid out there just oh, yeah. mixing their own voice layering yeah the family that moves in josh brolin margot kidder james would- Sorry, I've got Papa Jim, Josh on the mind here. Slim Jim Brolin. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> we're just probably going to call them James Brolin and Margot Kidder. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, George and Kathy, if we slip up, but they move in and we have our first stepdad of the pod. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Seven movies in here. Yeah, from all different eras. Did they explain what happened to the? biological father i don't think they do i don't i don't think so i no i'm there may be some allusion to it mm-hmm. in the mix there um because it's what three kids two kids three kids yeah three kids and he well it's not it's not part of it for no yeah so he is the stepdad and you know it's it's a hard dynamic to tackle I have a stepdad. You have a stepmom. That's right. But both of them came into our families later on, like when we were both in college, right? Like high school, college. I was in high school. That's true. We don't get any indication here that he is a new stepdad or that the biological father is in the picture at all. Right. But the kids are young and that's a whole different thing. Sort of. Yeah. No babies. Yeah. But they're pretty young. They're like Mm -hmm. 10. Right. 10 and younger, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, they're still and still certainly part actively like part of their day to day, their yeah. lives. We don't have uh, experience like that, is all I'm getting at. But that's true. I have a younger brother who does though, mm-hmm. who was in. He would have been in grade school when uh, we had a stepmom in the picture, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely was more of a. I, he can speak to his own experience, but more of a challenge for him for sure, because you are trying to navigate a, a different dynamic and. And two households. Right. And that is, a, yeah, really a challenge unlike anything that we would have done before we could have always just sort of like walked away at any point. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. sure, you guys do whatever you want because I'm going to go live my life as an adult right now, even if that was at college. Yeah. We can include a link to an episode of a Janet Lansbury podcast who we've talked about on almost every episode of the show before, but um, talking about um, navigating the transitions between households for step parents i we love to hear from listeners though if you're if you're a step parent i would love to know what your experience has been especially like a modern one because i do think even our experiences are are a generation or two at this point outdated like even though we were not we didn't have them early on it's got to be a different dynamic now than it has been but one of the janet lansbury points is really just about just like with any other transitions that any parent deals with with any with any of their children is about giving the kids the space to experience emotions with those transitional moments, whether that's transitioning 
say between households on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis or maybe having you know having to readjust back to sort of the way you parent because it's unlikely especially in a situation of divorce that all parents are parenting in the same way where you right. it's easier to get on the same page with your spouse or partner it's a lot harder to ask your ex or possibly even that other parent whether the biological parent or you as the step parent mm-hmm. to participate in the same in the same way but how you can still navigate those things and still give a kid space to express their emotions and to recognize those emotions and like the stresses that are inherent in those transitions within that dynamic you can still be like kind of Mm -hmm. that valve that release valve for those for those things too yeah there is a point in the movie where things are heating up and james brolin kind of makes this like comment you know you're babying them like they need to they need to learn they need to get used to me basically right and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. oof, it's hard it's rough that is. i think in general he's a pretty good stepdad he's not a bad dad no it's i mean especially pre-possession and it's clear that they get along mm-hmm. well they seem to have a really healthy mm-hmm. dynamic from the jump they i love the the moment of him describing their family situation to the realtor and she thinks they've had these kids out of wedlock or whatever their mm-hmm. sinful ideas first going through her head but like they're just having kind of fun with the truth of explaining like this is what our family is we are you know this right. is a we're yes we're newlyweds or whatever and this is our first house mm-hmm. i think they say it's like we already have three kids it's yeah like it's just a good moment and then there's another point when they're unpacking the house too where you just see the, a really great moment i think of setting up the sort of fall from grace or whatever you want to say later on as he's possessed and, and kind of goes down this downward spiral is where they're unpacking the house and George says to Kathy something along the lines of like, well, you know what we should do? And she says, get a couple of beers and go outside and play because all yeah. the kids are outside just having a good day. And they're like, yeah. And so they just immediately, just that like, that is a common enough occurrence where they can just like abandon the perceived needs of that parental responsibility and recognize a need for play, which is good for families too. It's something that actually during my solo week parenting, you have to reconcile and, you know, and kind of work against is that, is that kind of line cook mentality of just going Mm -hmm. through your day and saying like, all right, well, I got a breakfast on the table. I'm preparing lunches or whatever. I'm Mm -hmm. cleaning up dinner and preparing lunches for the next day of just pausing and finding a few minutes to just play mm-hmm. and be present and have that have that positive interaction mm-hmm. with your kids especially when they're the ones already doing it it's not right. like oh i see you're upset what can we do to kind of change the tone here it's more just like let me just participate in that for a minute that mm-hmm. seems good and then you're part of that fabric and i think even just like the memory of those things that's something i think about a lot it's a shame though that they did go outside and play that day because they ended up taking the boat out and missing Father Delaney coming over to bless the house. Ooh. That was bad timing. It's almost as if the house wanted them to be away. <sighs> what a horror. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because Father Delaney comes over and just lets himself in, goes upstairs to this bedroom, starts saying a prayer, and gets attacked by uh, an inordinate amount of flies. Oh, yeah, they're just hacking and coughing coughing up fly wings i don't know what he's supposed to be like he's He's, sort of choking on his own yes he's choking in a weird shakespearean play way um i've been poisoned yeah (laughs) (laughs) um they every several times in the movie and um 
online as I've been like reading about this movie. It, they keep saying out of season flies as though there is a time where you're, one of the rooms of your house might get filled with flies in Long Island. Huh. Is, is this a, a true thing? <laughs> I don't think so. They seem like doo-doo flies. You know what I mean? They, these were not mm. like... It's not like, oh, the the winter thaw and then out come all the flies. It okay. was there's no fly season. I mean, I'm sure there is a higher season for flies, and perhaps that's the summer. It was also very weird that we had watched this movie because when I was on my travel job, I, I happened to be we were shooting a commercial on a cotton farm, and at a certain time of day, the flies do come out and they would just be they'd be buzzing all around you, but in any vehicle that we had, if the doors were open, they would just be filled with flies. That is gross. But still not, it's not a house. And so I just didn't, I didn't get the whole like out, out of season flies. Anyway. But you noticed something else about the flies when we watched about it. You said something about flies being a sign. Oh, yeah. It's just, uh, I was listening to Spooked, which is that podcast from the people who make snap judgment it's on luminary now it used to be yeah i mean i subscribed so i oh. could listen to it yeah i mean luminary is a place that you have to pay to get the podcast which uh guess that was added to our budget yeah well i think i'm just gonna do the one month because this it's just before halloween that this podcast comes out so that's the biggest mistake they seem to be making. It's like they're doing all these other podcasts from people, but there is the, there are these one-shot things where maybe it's eight episodes or something. Right, and then you can just cancel. They have to know. Well, yeah, but then maybe people forget, and they just let it even lapse for a couple more months before canceling, and then they've made up whatever. Plus, I mean, it does take a lot to make other podcasts. It doesn't cost us anything, but usually there's a lot of production involved. So, So I get that. I get the need. And especially if you want it to be ad free. Anyway, fair. so I was listening Inside to Spooks. Baseball. <laughs> and um, they were talking about how like flies are like a sign of the supernatural. Hmm. And that and that it happens a lot with like haunted places. Oh, like in real life, it's seen as a sign of the supernatural. Yeah, yeah. And this is supposed to be based on a true story, which was almost immediately debunked, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Like I don't think this I don't even think the movie is I don't think it even says based on a true story, like at the at the right. top of it, where I believe the book was sold initially as basically nonfiction. Yeah. Could be well, wrong about that. I read that it was the writer of the novel took the accounts from like tapes that the Lutzes had made, but maybe uh, those were not real. I don't know. I have no idea. I I do forget. I should have looked at that before we recorded. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. I feel like the answer is no, but it would be cool either either way. It's a cool thing to include something like that that's seen as like yeah. If you looked at many supernatural accounts, right. maybe a thing you would see in comments like oh shit, this room filled with flies. Very plausible. Now I believe. While we're talking about him coughing, this brought to mind something that you have implemented in our lives. Oh yeah. That. We'll just stick right in here, our segment, Scary Good Stuff. Scary Good Stuff. We do need something for We that. will. We'll have a thing. Yeah, ooh, maybe like a theremin sort of like. Yeah, and then go. a cash register sound. Cha-ching. Yeah. Okay, because usually you have to buy something. Even if it's not from us, that's the weird thing. We should be monetizing this in a way that I guess we're not, but not it's yet. fine. Oh, we'll come for you. We'll come for your money. <laughs> we'll come for your money. Like so many luminaries before us. We... 
are so the big thing this is i feel like one of my most i felt like psychotic parenting moves early on the one that sticks out to me we were staying in an airbnb is this the one in massachusetts in massachusetts in northampton so if anyone knows western massachusetts massachusetts you know it's been around as long as america has been around and not before that there was no one here no there's no people no uh, happy uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, by the way. Thank you so much. Anyway, uh, there was, they, well, as far as buildings you could still occupy to this day and that might be listed on Airbnb, there are often very old homes. I think it was while we were there. I don't think I came there equipped with this, but I got freaked out by the place we were staying, which is like a duplex. A very common thing is to convert like old Victorian houses and mm-hmm. that sort of thing into multiple family units. Great idea. But I got nervous that this ancient home had no carbon monoxide detector. And at that time, we were just a family of three, but we still had Wu in his own room. And I just freaked out that he would be upstairs dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. And we would not know because it's a silent killer. As so many things are, Mm -hmm. actually, just with drowning and choking, everything's quieter than the movies make it out to be. But I think it also was that we had just been made aware that like airbnb doesn't or any of those services don't that nobody's checking out these homes and nobody's examining you know we were it was brought to mind for sure like you didn't just i didn't just freak out on a whim and say hey there's no carbon monoxide detector that's right there was some article talking about like sort of the dangers of these unverified homes as opposed to say an actual bed and breakfast which Mm -hmm. is licensed in some way or at least is doing consistent enough business that Things like the infrastructure of the property are taken into account in a way right. that they wouldn't be um, with someone casually renting out their home and like staying at their you know boyfriend's house or something. So I went into like CVS and got a you know twenty dollar carbon monoxide detector by I believe it's Safety First brand or whatever that I, I should I guess for scary good stuff I should have had it in hand, but it takes one nine volt battery to operate. You obviously don't need to mount it to a ceiling, but my thing was I need something that's completely portable, not something that needs to be plugged into, you know, really wired into your home. So I found that 20 bucks, you can test it. And then I just take the nine volt battery out and I keep it with my travel stuff so -hmm. that I know when I travel, I'm grabbing like my neck pillow and things like that. I also now just bring a carbon monoxide detector with me, even when I travel by myself. It seems so silly. I also noticed though recently on an Airbnb listing, they called out explicitly that a unit does not have a carbon monoxide detector. Like a review said that? No. In the listing. In in the listings, in the amenities, basically. Mm. To say like, this has AC and no carbon monoxide detector. Right. Because not every city or municipality is going to require one by law. Right. So yeah, you got to come pack in. Killed Weird Al's parents, for God's sakes, and come for any of us. What? Yeah. That's how they died. Carbon monoxide poisoning in their home. so sad. It is. It's tragic. And he was like 50. It was like they were just, that's it. Oh, my God. Completely random accident. Avoidable accident. Wow. Crack a window if you must. Bummer. Yeah. So that's scary good stuff. Um, they're not worried about carbon monoxide at this point. They're just worried about this house. Unfortunately, Father Delaney is not going to do anything about it because 
One of the cool things about this spook fest is that it follows him out of the house and he is no longer even able to call them. His hand gets burned. His car wrecks. This is a powerful evil. I think that is the important thing. This is not a poltergeist. This is not a thing that's attached to a person or a place, right? This is a larger spirit that is able to affect things outside of the, the space that it's in, which is usually the device in most movies where that allows you a way out. It does allow help to come or whatever, but like it's controlling cars on the road. It is means business. Right. I think that there, there are a lot of similarities between this and poltergeist poltergeist does a lot of things, right. That this movie gets wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think that there were a lot of missed opportunities with this movie, because even though it is creepy, it could have been so much scarier. There's a lot of tension that's built up and then, doesn't pay off but i think that if you were to remake this movie but set in 1979 because i'm not sure if the one with ryan reynolds is that a remake or a sequel i have no idea it's a remake complete remake but i i is it set in the same time i don't remember i'll tell you the only thing i liked about that movie is i thought ryan reynolds did a good job it's a movie that made me actually be a believer in Ryan Reynolds mm. in like a post Van Wilder world. I was like, who the fuck is this bozo? Yeah. Why is anyone watching this? And then he, I thought he did an actually great job of selling the possessed man of the house, basically. Right. And I, I was, it was very believable. And I thought that he was fairly scary, I guess. But right. other than that, I, I remember nothing about it other than it was almost, I, I remember it being sort of like beat for beat yeah. remake and thinking that was lame. But yeah, the only good thing I've ever seen him in is that movie Buried, where it's just him and right. a coffin. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a scary movie. Wow. That was tense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell tell anything else about that one, yeah. but um, otherwise, I don't really care about that that actor. But I thought that no one needs to care about Ryan Reynolds. That's fair. Oh, his family, maybe. But they do. That's my point is plenty of people care about Ryan Reynolds. He does not need our sympathies. Well, good. He's not getting it. So I guess what I mean is if they could just do some triage on this movie, the original actors and the original everything, it could have just been so much scarier because it plays on the thing of the house is on an ancient burial ground. But also there was a devil worshiper that lived there. Catch him. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So. And all these things are just sort of touched upon. And that's fine. But I feel like it could have really ramped up, like especially after the his co-worker's um, girlfriend comes over and is and is like seeing into the the portal to hell. And that, that was very I, scary. Yeah, I thought that was cool. And I, I mean, if any of the times where they made it real, that's the thing that's mm-hmm. talk about Stephen King a lot on this show. The thing that he does best is to make these very powerful evils omnipresent where like you just really don't know where and if you are ever safe and that is something that this movie had the potential of doing and and did to a degree but really yeah you could really kind of blow that out especially as like different people in the world are kind of verifying its existence or are being affected by it and those kinds of things would be really Mm -hmm. awesome because there are many things that happen in this movie that are because of the house having this haunting or the whatever evil presence it is and it a lot of it feels unrelated there's this need in horror movies to like tie everything up with a bow and i thought that this movie actually worked with all the unrelated things because it felt like it was just trying to poke holes 
in whatever weakness there was like, okay, there's a little girl I'm going to have, there's an imaginary friend that's telling her evil things, trapping the babysitter in the closet. There's ooze coming out of the toilet. There's money gone missing. There's blood coming out of the walls. There's the dad is like sort of being possessed off and on and coming out of it Mm -hmm. and going back into it. And And there um, isn't anything rhyme or reason to that. It's not necessarily, even though there is like, he wakes up to that same time, mm -hmm. whatever it was, 3.20 in the morning. 3.15. 3.15 every morning. So there are a lot of different things going on. And I think it works that it's just kind of trying to get at this family at whatever way that, that it can, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever weakness they have, whatever. Any vulnerabilities. Yeah. It's, it's exploiting. Yes. Know? Yes. Um, and I, and it touches a lot of the same things. So a couple of those things that happen, um, that we, we saw some parenting pitfalls and, um, some things that could have been prevented we, that we thought yes. of. One thing is locking doors in your house. We were just sent a link about how important it is to just close your doors at night because of fire safety. Mm-hmm. And that um, th- that was like right before we watched this movie. I was just thinking about that. If you haven't seen this video going around, it's very convincing that you should at least close your doors while you sleep. If not... All the time. Just when you leave the house. Just like right. make sure all the doors are closed. Because it could just... Basically, it was the difference of saving your house or not. Mm-hmm. And then this movie with locking doors. So there's a part where the babysitter is locked in the closet, even though the door has no lock to it. Right. Um, the imaginary friend is doing it or whatever from the child's perspective. And we... And the babysitter has a tremendous freak out, like a really world-class, I think, reaction to this, yeah. uh, to this happening, which would be fucking terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, her knuckles are bloody from banging on the door. Mm-hmm. And... I get that. Yeah. I would be so, so terrified. Babysitters nowadays have your cell phone on you in your back pocket all the time. How about that? That's right. You check on the possum, you keep your phone in your pocket. <laughs> check on the possum, keep your phone in the pocket. Check on your possum. Keep your phone. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so we, yeah, we lock the door, lock the bathroom door sometimes when we want privacy. I know a lot of parents don't do that and they let their kids come in. And I think that we just try to talk about privacy more so than like locking the door. Like at this point, they're so little that they don't know to not open the door. They'll just come right in. But we talk about just closing a door for privacy and how that's okay. I mean, that we haven't gotten into any situations where they've locked themselves anywhere. But we're prepared if they do. Right. Because you got to keep those. They're door keys, essentially. Yeah. Those little door keys that are straight above the door. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember as kids, we used, we didn't have them above every door, but we did have, I don't know another word for this, nut pickers. <laughs> you know, like a nutcracker set? They're the little, they're long, uh, they have like a little kind of curved hook at the end of them and it's for yeah, picking nut meat out of mm. like walnuts and shit that you'd have as like a nutcracker set. I think it's like the most like old timey New England thing <laughs> maybe about us. We would often have like, a bowl of in the shell mixed nuts. Oh, we did too for holidays and that kind of thing. So those little nut picker things were always in our silverware drawer. We did. I think that may have been a an eighties thing, because I think that it having a bowl of nuts out the was fancy a, mixed nuts. Yeah, yeah, it was. I, Got I mean, your filberts. Certainly, I don't remember Brazil nuts. Yep, filberts. <laughs> this is a brand. Filberts are hazelnuts. Oh, I did not know that. Mm. 
so we would always have those handy. They were in, they would, and they would fit inside the, the little opening in the door handles to push the locking mechanism to unlock a door. So yeah. those were always available in an open room of the house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you need to make sure you have something that's handy. As well as just spare keys everywhere. I love a spare key. We got the lockbox outside. Simple contraption. Mm-hmm. It's not like a nest, although those things are great too. Those All the smart locks and everything. But I'm just a big fan of spare keys. Like yeah. I have a key to your car all the time. Never be locked out ever again. Actually, when I just got my smog checked, the smog guy, shout out Arnie, was he had the great suggestion because he said that my doors lock automatically when you turn the car in, which I don't think is true. I think he just accidentally hit the lock button. I've never had that problem before, but it, of course, did freak me out enough that he said, just go get a spare key made because if you get a non-chip version of your key made, if you have a modern car, all your keys have some form of a chip in it. If you get one, if you just get a regular copy made, that doesn't have the chip. It's significantly cheaper. It's like $5 instead of like 100 All it will do is open the doors. And then he suggested getting a magnetic lockbox for under your car. And so you just keep it there all the time. So that way you're never in a situation where you've accidentally locked your own kids in the car. I love that. Mm-hmm. Let's get that. Okay. Done. Another vulnerability that the evil preys upon, which I thought was a really like... Insidious? <laughs> Uh, we need another another button that's like fuck insidious. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, is that that I thought was just very realistic, but also so so creepy was this was all the money troubles that this family was in. It was almost like playing upon how the the house was a bargain, and they were like playing upon this couple's like. Money right. troubles. Um, a bargain they still couldn't afford. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. she, they talk about how she's the first person in her family to own a house. And then her brother gets married during the course of the movie. And uh, he loses $1,500 in cash that he has to pay the caterer. And that becomes like a whole source of a whole like kind of like spurring thing for the the dad's um, possession. Like he's he, that like drives him crazy trying right. to find the money and have it and like being really hostile with the caterer and um but you know if even if you are wealthy or struggling no matter what it's just it is a stressor in any family it's a stressor no matter what i think because yes. even if you still have to manage your money how little of it or how how much of it you have and the dynamics of who's spending the money and what you're spending the money on it's always going to be a thing Mm-hmm. and who's earning the money who's earning the money who's controlling the money like you we, we talk about it a lot with our friends especially when everybody was getting married it seemed like there was a lot of discussion of like well what are you doing you know like how are you managing your finances right and who is yeah who has access where we we combined mm-hmm. all of our stuff where not everyone does that a lot of people are still really because it is also about your independence and it's about what you've built or your own debt that you're bringing into it and all these things you can have all these kind of right things that are influencing the way that you might think about how finances should be handled once you're married right right and like whether you want to keep separate accounts with your own money in it because of your own decisions about you know like there's mm-hmm. so much that goes into it People, no matter how much money you have that's right. You know, everyone loves to talk about the example of it's almost like when people go, 
and like buy an SUV because they're like, well, what if I do decide to go like off roading? Everyone else has the idea of like, who would do that? Who would buy a four wheel drive? I did. So <laughs> if there's, let's just say it plainly, but everyone loves the idea of keeping their own accounts for like, what if I want to buy something as a surprise? I know it's always about a present this as if like you could build your entire financial portfolio around like the idea that some at some point you might want to have $300 that you don't tell your spouse what you're going to do with it. Right. That, like that's the that is the justification for hiding like everything else being completely obscured from yes. each other's view, especially in a place like California where it's a shared property state anyway. So right. you're responsible to the other one no matter Right. What? Good times or bad? Yeah, that is so funny. It was. It's always like, but you know, what about presents? What about Christmas? What about a birthday? Like, don't just don't look, as they say. <laughs> yeah, just don't. Just don't look. Just don't look. <laughs> but um, but anyway, I think that this family really could have benefited from some budgeting, from some planning around their finances to avoid that stress. Maybe they wouldn't have bought this house in the first place. That could have. Saved everybody a lot of death, <laughs> a lot of death and destruction. Although, does anybody actually die in this movie? I don't know. We'll talk about the final frame of this movie, I guess. Yeah. At that time, but no. But yeah, this kid gets his hand smashed. Um, the priest gets his hand burned. Oh, he he like goes blind and loses his mind again. Who cares about this stupid priest? But um, you said that it seems like there's two different movies happening. It's important to say. I don't think they ever cross paths again. They never cross paths, period. They don't no. because they're never allowed to be in the same room together. And even mm-hmm. when her, her the nun, mm-hmm. who I think is actually a relative. Yeah, it's like her aunt. Yeah, who's a nun, who reminds us that she is a nun by always wearing her habit Thank the entire movie. Goodness. While she's as if it's impossible, as if nuns are not allowed to wear other clothing. She's shooting hoops in her habit. Shows up to see her family in her habit. Oh, I just came from the nunnery. I didn't have time to change. Like, it's it's that. It's to that level. It's As bizarre. someone who grew up Catholic and went to Catholic school, K through 12, um, I had nuns as my gym teachers, and they did not, in fact, wear their habits to gym class. They did wear, like, skirts and sneakers, like those orthopedic sneakers. They just wore mesh habits. It was, like, a different yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah, they had their mesh sweat-wicking habits on um, and, like, always a little cross around mm-hmm. their neck so we knew who they were. Oh, you know what? They sometimes, even in gym class, would wear the just the 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 hat cape. The the stiff <laughs> one that sticks straight out? Yeah. yeah they're not Benedictine nuns. Mm. Or Felician. Those are Felician. Aunt Helene. That's her name. Mm. I did write it down. The other thing that she did that's super fucked up, she just leaves. When she shows up the house, she knows... She senses what's happening as a woman of faith. She yeah. is immediately in tune with like, oh my, and she gets nauseous and all this stuff. She's like, nah, I got to go. Yeah. Never. The fact she wouldn't say like, you need to get the fuck out of this house right now. There's an evil presence here. I think and she killing was me. not able to. She was just got to go. I got to go. Gotta go. Bye. Yeah. But they can talk about it. They know. Like, yeah. I, it's a weird. It was weird. Anyway. Yeah. That was kind of just that. That's what I mean. Like, cut that scene. Yeah. Save your, save that time in the schedule to do some other scary. And also like that it's a specifically like a Catholic person, but then you have like the crystals spiritual friend who comes in and gets the same mm-hmm. negative vibes. It's like you could have combined those characters, combined man. them, mix it up. Yeah. Anyway. So 
if you are friends with us in real life, you know, we've already probably told you about the soft, the budgeting software that we use. You need a budget. Oh, yeah. YNAB for short. Um, we've used it now for um, seven years. Mm hmm. And um, it's a complete game changer. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. It really was. I mean, just to get your head around money in a way that you never had to before, because you are, regardless of how you treat your money, you have to be on the same page as your partner about how you decide to treat that money. Mm -hmm. And budgeting software is really kind of the only way to do it to really to i mean it's it's bookkeeping because you're you're responsible for a little company especially mm -hmm. as you have kids you you're responsible for expenses for uh you know for income and your you know and all the unforeseen expenses that can happen for saving for everything mm -hmm. short-term and long-term things for reaching your own financial goals and staying on track with those things it's completely critical and just something you just you just don't need to worry about in the same way before you are bound to someone else yeah yeah you may think about it but it is just a different set of circumstances mm -hmm. uh, so we're gonna post our link to ynab the ynab software i think we have like some sort of recommend yeah there's link. a referral thing for that there's like a free month mutual free month scenario that is it's great and because while yes, it is not free and there are free versions, the benefit of paying for something like this is they are not either A, mining your data or B, trying to just sell you credit cards and other financial instruments, which is how a lot of their competitors make money. So I, for one, am for the modest fee that yes. comes from paying for this software. Yes. And you can link it to your bank account, but we don't. So you don't even have to, it's not like Mint where you have to just put in your bank um, information and they kind of like sort everything for you. It's a little bit more hands-on than that. And, and it can be that way, but I think the hands-on version, once you get used to it, is super easy. And um, gosh, I've referred people so much for YNAB. I feel uh -huh. like I should be getting a commission. Um, so many people use it that... Yeah, in our lives for sure. Yeah, and uh, and it's enabled people to like buy houses and save for retirement that you just like don't know where your money's going every month and if you just had like a little bit of if you can just be tracking it oh and it makes taxes so easy because you oh, can it's just the most. Yeah. it runs reports type in your categories you can say how much did we spend on blank and you can pull all these numbers in a matter of moments and you never have to bring in a shoebox full of receipts or whatever it is you're doing now there's also Maybe this is going too far down the finances rabbit hole, but something to me that's so crucial about the whole idea of of kind of getting control of your finances is that you have is that you often just have a uh, some warped version of how some warped vision of how you, it is that you handle money as an individual. You it, like as Carol just said, it enabled some of our friends to buy houses because they didn't realize how fine they were doing. I know a mm -hmm. lot of people, the idea is scary because it's like, oh, I don't want to look at all that stuff. But we're like, you may find when you do, it's just like counting calories or anything else where you, you find some stuff isn't as bad as you thought it was and some stuff is worse for you. And so like the truth will be likely somewhere in the middle, but that like you can actually manage your shit if you just bother to like stop and take a look and get it organized. True. Love it. I think. Love it or leave it. Uh, 
couple other quick parenting things here back in the Amityville horror verse. We had Jody is an imaginary friend. I don't know if it's our first imaginary friend, but it feels like it. That's specifically described as one. Right, right. Um, and we'll no doubt get into this again in future episodes, but it did inspire me to read a little bit about them. And I'll link to an, the article that I'm pulling most of this information from that was from The Atlantic, actually, this past July, which um, the, some of the most interesting things about imaginary friends that I found is that it is equally common for boys and girls. 65% of kids have one by the time they are seven years old. Uh, there's some schools of thought that it happens more to solo kids, kids without siblings, but the kind of sweet spot for it is between the ages of three and 11 years old. Seems hmm. like it happens a lot later than it would in my mind that I would think you're much more likely to have them. Wow. So early on. But <laughs> I just imagine my like nephew have, who's 11, like, him having just popping over one day and be like yeah an imaginary friend yeah oh my goodness yeah this is <laughs> this is corny the unicorn my best friend uh i would did want to read a quick quote from this we have why kids invent imaginary friends by ali volpe from the atlantic it says, imaginary friends are a symptom of developing social intelligence in a kid for children to dream up peers they must understand that people possess beliefs and desires and exhibit behaviors that differ from their own a concept called theory of mind celeste kid who's a professor of psychology at uc berkeley said understanding that somebody else can want something different than you want or can know something that you don't know is something that doesn't start to emerge until around 4 or 5 hmm. and so i thought that that was all very interesting and somewhat comforting i guess just to think i kind of thought that imaginary friends would turn out to be one of those relics of our past that it's actually like not really a thing that anyone right. ever has. I never had one no, for real. I didn't like, either. I had, I, I had siblings. It feels like a lot. Yeah. It feels like that's. Yeah. There does seem to be some evidence that it can happen more in, yeah. in uh, single child households, but it is not by any stretch like the majority. Right. Of it. It's, it, there's not like an overwhelming, there's not a lot of consensus on, on the topic beyond that. Like most kids have one and that it happens in those certain age groups. But like, I did like that, that idea that it really is about learning that other, that people exist outside of yourself. And that is like a comforting way of like, just thinking with about right. how you, uh, like what to do in the face of an imaginary friend, as long as it's not a demon named Jody. <laughs> Um, named so, Jill, <laughs> Jillian, it's fine. Jody, yeah. not so much. Yeah, exactly. It's weird that they wouldn't have named the kid like Kelly or like something to do with Ketchum or like, why Jody? Yeah. Listeners, let us know. Jodiah. <laughs> um, the babysitter in this picture also asks if she should have give, if she should give Amy, the daughter, some aspirin. The answer, according to our pediatrician's website, is never. You should not give your child aspirin. Any child really under the eight, under the age of 18, you should never give aspirin to. And the reason is, is it can cause something called Ray syndrome. Yeah. And that is basically damage to the brain and or the liver. And while it is not necessarily fatal, it can cause permanent brain damage. Um, and usually the symptoms are very flu-like, and so it often can... In, so like you shouldn't even give aspirin for headaches because headaches can be a symptom of the flu. Uh, and it's this introduction of certain chemicals in aspirin mm. and also in Pepto-Bismol that can 
present themselves as basically flu-like symptoms or like with the chicken pox or around getting a chicken pox vaccine. And aspirin can actually um, exacerbate the likelihood of getting Ray's syndrome. And so right. you should just not ever give it to a child. Ibuprofen, acetaminophen is fine. Good to know. You know, they found a cure for the common cold. What's that? What is it? What's yeah. the cure? They found a, they found like... Oh, I thought this was going to be a joke. I know. <laughs> <laughs> not interested. <laughs> it did. I, I was saying it like a joke, but it's not a joke. They did. It's buried in the news because of all this other idiot stuff going on that requires for some reason more of our attention but carol's really mad about the impeachment <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's just a witch hunt mm. um Ooh, we would love that actually ooh. bring on a real witch hunt. witch hunt so fire that babysitter also just gotta say yeah, trying to give your child ray syndrome <sighs> fuck out of here she was really like Shout out to that headgear. <laughs> very handsome, very becoming. Mm-hmm. I just had my first orthodontics uh, consultation today, so I might be looking just like that babysitter soon. That's right. Get that headgear before it gets weird. Yep. Going to get some Invisalign instead. Mm. I'm a little nervous. I also just want to give a shout out to Kathy real quick because um, when the front door of the house blows open in the middle of the night and they all wake up. She follows George downstairs and he is, he's like, go, go wait upstairs. And she's like, like hell. That's right. No Lone Ranger. Love it. She's a modern woman. Uh, that's the correct response. Yes. Even though you're abandoning the kids upstairs, it is just like, fuck that. You're not going to that door by yourself. Are you no. kidding me? Well, yeah. They probably didn't put their shoes on, but so not a full a plus a minus um all right moving on yeah you know normally we like to do a where are they now it's mummy and daddy's totally awesome where are they now but the kids in this movie um they really they didn't have a very big part actually in no the movie. they were barely in this movie yeah um they try to make the little girl kind of creepy and she did a good job but um mm-hmm. the boys are always just like roughhousing and they don't really it's not centered around them at all the the haunting no but they i don't think we really need to get in too much about where are they now i looked them all up okay and they all live in a house together <laughs> in long island yeah. uh natasha ryan casey martle that's k c initials and mino palouse <laughs> none of us palouse <laughs> uh they all green new deal you know they were all basically on uh like eight is enough and growing pains like all of them were on those those shows they were all in the shows of the 80s they were and then that was it and that was it pretty much like they all stopped acting and um there really wasn't anything that interesting okay yeah that's all right um james brolin sired a son did he ever Mm. Yeah, and then Margot Kidder had a really, really rough life, and uh, she struggled a lot with mental illness and eventually um, had a drug overdose that was ruled a suicide. So it's sad. It's hard to even make light of anything no. involving Margot Kidder's um, life after you know being in the movies that we know and love her for. 
She actually just passed away last year in 2018. So truly RIP. Yeah. I have a question for you, Josh, and Uh that brings us to... Interview with a Vamparent. It's true. Here we are, interview with the vampire. Um, so the the couple in this movie, she is sort of a nominal Catholic. He is of no faith or of little faith, as it is said. It, he, he of little, little faith. faith. Several times in the movie, is it talks about him not being a believer. But nonetheless, when they are, when they know about the history of the house, they call the father to come bless the house and so often in these movies we the 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 immediate step that you take is consulting the christian church to help you with an exorcism or something a crucifix you know in any in any way right like Uh it's it's pretty much the immediately the immediate one the immediate go-to yeah step one so we aren't religious but we both grew up in religious households. Um, my mom was a Catholic school teacher for many years. I went to Catholic school. Your dad is a priest in the Episcopal Church. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, if our house, if Ananima started acting up in a violent way and we needed some help, do you think you would go step one? Call my dad? <laughs> You're going to call your dad? <laughs> um, but even just... In any way, do you think you would start doing a... A religious sweep of the home? Yeah. I think I would, sure, absolutely. That would throw my entire worldview into question if something like that happened. And it was clear that it was supernatural to me. So why wouldn't I... Well, I think that the thing in this movie is like, it works if you believe. They say that in so many words. Uh huh. I think I'd believe pretty quickly. You would just automatically be like, okay, Jesus, sorry about the dip in uh, attendance. my attendance here, but I'm back better than ever. No, I mean, I think that there would be, that it would then make you say like, I'm open. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. I'm open to this in a way that I wouldn't be. Would I then immediately, I don't know. It does seem, it does seem a little far-fetched to then say that I'd throw myself headlong into any into any one belief system, but I do think that I would have, I guess you'd want someone from the Judeo-Christian side of things, and then you'd go further afield for other stuff. It needs to be one that believes in evil forces and demons and stuff, I think. That's why the Catholics got that on lockdown. Yeah, because they're the most hocus-pocusy of they are. the Christian faith. The they most magic-based. They are. Borderline polytheistic, the mm. Catholics. Oh, yeah, because saints and stuff, they've yeah. got the power, too. You mm. pray to them, you've got a direct line, you know? So that's always been weird to me. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd fully, I'd, I'd go check out some stuff, because I don't know who else I'd call. I feel like people who are into, like, crystals and stuff, I believe less in, so I would feel... Like, I'd at least go to someone, especially if they believe that they could do something about it. That would be interesting to me. Because I don't think, for instance, my dad would. Mm. You know? I don't think he would be the person I'd call for an exorcism. You'd have Shots to, fired. You'd have to go to somebody a little bit further afield for that one. A little bit out on their own. Mm. This is not, it is not common practice. So far as we know. That's right. Exactly. So far as we know, which is a lot that it is not common practice. (laughs) Would you? 
Yeah. So I've been thinking about this and I just feel like it's such a default thing that maybe at first I would explore that, but I, I kind of get how, if you, if you don't believe it, like part of it is the belief, right? That that's the power behind it. You're operating from a place though, where that is true. We don't know that. What? but we don't know if that's the case. If it has to be like, like right. Peter Pan logic behind this that like, yeah. Or like American ha- gods logic where it, it's like they get their power from the belief. Right. And so then if it was, then I, you would, would you not throw yourself into trying to believe it and trying to understand it? It's a really interesting question. I can't imagine a me that is turning to a Jesus based faith to save me from a ghost. It's just really hard to believe. And especially if you say it like that, with that kind of dude, it's not going to take well. <laughs> I just, I don't think. I'll I, get to you when I get to you. <laughs> I don't know if I could get into it. I don't know. Okay. But then what do you do? Because it's the only, I mean, I guess the question is, does any other religion have a way to deal with spirits and such? Mm. Possessions. Where are our scary movies from the Hindi Isla- Islam or yeah. Sure. So I don't think I would, but it's hard to know. Yeah, you're still just mad at school, I think, is part of the problem. I'm not just mad at school. I straight up just don't believe in that God. I know, but like the I feel like the anger about it is so sp- There is I do have an a, attitude about it. It's a it very for sure. specific tude that is it is n- not how you approach the rest of your life. And I don't think it is kind of interesting that like. Really? It's I feel like I've got an attitude about a lot. Of yeah. Well, <laughs> attitude about a lot of stuff, but there is the, I, the complete dismissiveness of it in this way that is like not a million years. When I give that thing the time of day, it's just not really, I think the way that you approach most things in life. And yeah, so, well it's because I've been through it. So I don't need to, be skeptical about that i don't you know i have a firsthand knowledge of how damaging that kind of thing can be for sure yeah so can i ask you a question oh yeah interview with a vampire it's the time for questions would you live in a murder house if for all i know we do i have no idea in a knowing way this they bought this house inside of a year from these gruesome family murders okay okay in a knowing way and let's Um, even say it was $80,000. Who? Okay. I don't like the idea of a murder house. If people died in the house, that I don't mind so much. Talking about a murder house. Talking about a recent murder house. You know, okay. In this, I think that. Like, still probably an active crime scene murder house. It's only been a year. Okay. But they did, it was solved. Like, it wasn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Everything, I think, really has to be judged on a case-by-case basis. But if you're talking about this specific murder house, I probably would live in it because it's, yeah, it's it's a solved murder and it was within the family, like it wasn't this random thing. But it's just scary to me to think about like the repeat crime happening. Mm -hmm. It's more my fear. It's not my fear of ghosts that would... Or of the spirit of... It's not murder a f- in the house. It's not a fear of ghosts or spirits or energy or whatever. It would be 
my fear of like a real person coming in and doing the same thing or mm, copycat you know. killer maybe. Yes. Because as much as I love this sort of thing and tales of the supernatural and I seek it out because it's so fascinating, I don't believe or not believe any of it because I've never mm-hmm. had any firsthand experience that I know of. So I, I can't say that I would, but I probably like if I did, if it was such a deal and it just made sense for our family to live in this place that murders had just happened, I probably would do some sort of like, and it really baffles me to even think this way, but I probably would just be like, hey, we're here. So sorry about what happened to you. You know, like, I feel like I would probably say out loud some stuff to the people who had died there. You'd acknowledge the spirits. I would, even though it doesn't really add up to me. But I feel like I probably would just say that. Mm. There's a lot of contradictions, you know? Life's a funny thing. Life is a funny thing. Um, Life is a funny way. Sneaking up on you when you think everything's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Now I know a deeper meaning to that song. It's about um, buying a murder house. <laughs> would you live in a murder house? I don't think so. No. No. You're I just... think I would be freaked out by the spirits or the energy of that place, even though I also don't think I believe in it. I do feel like old houses kind of do freak me out. I like our house very much, and it is an old house, but I'm talking that New England old. Mm-hmm. Those hundreds of year New old England places. Old. Like it's the real estate agent's yeah. theme song. And... <laughs> It's my Aunt Dorcas's real estate theme song. Josh is referring to his Aunt Dorcas who lives in... It doesn't matter. Massachusetts. Yeah, in New England. You find a place, she'll sell it to you. (laughs) Especially if it's... Old New England. Um, New England old. No, I'd be too. I'd be too scared. But I could think it was such a sweet deal. I'd buy it as an investment property and rent it to people and you profit know, off their murder. You know what I would do? I would just like try to build in some time to do some repairs to the house before I moved in right away. Like walk down the basement steps before your kid does. Even yeah, knock down a couple of walls. Oh, you would love to, wouldn't you? Oh I would, my especially god! If it opened a portal, portal to hell, <laughs> save our whole family a lot of trouble. <laughs> or doom them to hell itself you're absolutely right josh loves knocking down walls and talking about how which which walls you'd like to knock down in our house it's my even dream. though we live in a craftsman home so it's very open i still would come over i'll show you <laughs> so this kind of brings us into a little kids are creepy all right segment because i don't think that i got to this in a previous episode and it ties in nicely with what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we got to this. We, I think I talked about it in the first poltergeist. Uh, this was a while ago now, but this is like a little Ananiwa update. So I was changing boo on the changing table in their room and woo comes in and he asks me, what are ghosts?" And I was like, okay another one of these questions like how do i make how do i explain what they are without making it too scary like totally not answering your question because i'm gonna say things Mm -hmm. that inspire more questions i guess it's just like the nature of being a kid but um i said something along the line i i did mention death in it i was like stalling 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 explaining see they're, they're spirits and you know 
they're see-through or whatever you know like i was just kind of saying ghost keywords mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i was like of, of people who have died you're trying to google ghosts but you couldn't type in ghosts or death <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um and I, I did say eventually like of people who have died and he's sitting in this little um kid size armchair we have in their room and there's a mirror uh a mirrored closet right behind him um with these like sliding doors so the whole wall is basically a mirror in front of the closet and he just throws a casual jerk of the thumb and says people died in this closet (laughs) and so (laughs) that inspired me to go down a a very short road of trying to figure out if people died in our house but it turns out you need to go to the library first and they will direct you to the the government office that you should start looking for records on your house like it's not just this one place you go cool website that's no no because you have to really know the the history of the house so and it might be true. He might be right. And I try not to be too freaked out by that because it's an old house and probably people did die in it. But it was a creepy moment. And on that note, don't be a creep. Get in touch. Email mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. Visit us on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy or on Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. You can also leave us a voicemail with your creepiest ghoulish tales of your children and yourself at 818-839-1991. That's 818-839-1991. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you don't mind, tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is a lakeside property. Move in ready, well below market value. Bye. I just wish that all those people hadn't died here.